Yo, yo, what it is. Welcome to another edition of the Albemarle's Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm here as always with my good friend, Dude Reno number one, dude, the man himself. Dude, the dude. <laughs> number one, huh? Thanks. Yeah. A lot of, there's a lot of dudes out there. Uh, I'm just happy to be listed among them. <laughs> You're at the top of my list, buddy. Thank you. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, in case you're new here, what we basically do every two weeks, give or take, is uh, recommend a handful of records. We got two new releases and two what we call old dogs back from our collection. Anytime, not within the last five years. Is that the rule? I, I can never, I never remember. I've just been picking really old stuff, so I don't I have know. to deal with. I was like hesitant <laughs> to say it because I'm like, someone's gonna call us out. <laughs> so, I think it's five years, but it might be ten. We should probably stick to like 10. Well, you know, Andy and I have been friends and talking about albums and music for 15 years almost. And, you know, uh, we enjoy doing it. We like finding new stuff to listen to. We like sharing it with other people. So you're part of the conversation. You're always welcome to contact us through various ways. We'll let you know at the end of the show. And you can get in on that conversation with us because we would, uh, we'd love that. That's, that's part of what makes this whole thing cool. And what music can do is bring people together and have nice conversations that aren't uh, politically charged. And that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't walk away hating each other at the end of the show. At least not yet. Nope. Maybe the end of the show. Stay tuned to find out. A couple of new releases here. We're talking about a record from a Texas-based singer-songwriter up first by the name of Austin Mead. Put out a record called Black Sheep. After that, we got a record from a, I guess, a hip-hop artist from Australia. Haven't had too many of those on the show before. Should be interesting. His name is Genesis Owusu. Uh, yeah, so that's his record called Smile With No Teeth. We're going to get into that a little bit. And then we're coming at you with Old Dogs. Older albums that we still love and love to talk about. It's an opportunity to bring up some stuff. Today we're talking about Metallica's Kill 'Em All. Then we're going to get into the Melvins, or just Melvins rather, not the. Just Melvins, please. Yeah. Yes. I, I made the mistake before. I will not do it again. Uh, <laughs> their album, too. The Maggot, not just Maggot. Correct. It's going to be fun. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, and uh, maybe we should get going on it, eh? Hey, let's do it. All right, so here we are. It's time for Austin Mead, Black Sheep, and the track is Dopamine Drop. All right, so that was Dopamine Drop from uh, Austin Mead. I don't know a whole lot about Austin Mead, to be honest. I had not heard of him previous to uh, Google deciding I would like this album when it came out in March. <laughs> okay. And I liked the, I saw the cover of it and assumed it was a heavy metal album of some kind. Me too. He, as, as Andy mentioned, he is a singer-songwriter based out of College Station, Texas. 
He had been a drummer, apparently started off in the Red Dirt country scene, I guess, and has a handful of albums out there. But this definitely has some bluesy rock mixture in it, a little bit of metal, metal tendencies here and there, like old metal. Like there's some Black Sabbath-y moments type of thing. I'm Mm. not talking... I'm not talking Slayer here. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That track Dopamine Drop, it starts off the album. I thought it had a cool sound and a cool idea. Basically, he is addicted to everything, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everything's giving him a rush, so he can't stop doing it. Yep. So that includes uh, alcohol, et cetera, but also includes love and and other things, Got to get yeah. that dopamine. Yeah. Well, I think it ties in a little bit to like technology and stuff. I guess that's what I associated yeah. with more was like, you know, yeah. getting that rush off of a social media like or a mm-hmm. YouTube video or whatever. Or a bunch of people downloading a podcast. <laughs> to each their own. Yep. <laughs> um, so, I mean, all in all, to me, this is a, uh, it reminds me a little bit of Matthew Sweet. Okay. You hear that? That's sort of alt rock, but radio friendly. Ryan Adams, maybe, because there's a little southernness here too. You know what? I, I was thinking about it, and overall, it's a good feeling album. It's got solid songwriting. I think it has a broad radio friendly appeal, like in a pop rock sort of way. And I think a lot of people might like this. In this day and age, I think that's important because it's tough to get something that a lot of people are into from different perspectives of, <laughs> of music taste because people are so uh, uh, in different camps now. There's not a lot of crossover. What do you true. think about this, man? Well, I think what you say is accurate. I really enjoyed the opening cut that we played. I really enjoyed the closing cut, the title track, Black Sheep. Both pretty bluesy, a little bit more aggressive than the rest of the record. Uh, the middle, you know, in 80% of the record... I was okay, I would say. I didn't love any moments on here besides the opening and closing. Most of it felt a little, just middle of the road, I guess, to me. It's very clean sonically, like yes, and which I thought, which I think gave you a little more. We've got that bluesy's guitar there, which he does occasionally. Mm-hmm. Be nice to have a little more, a little more grit to production. Maybe make it feel a little more, you know, a little more emotive, perhaps more grun- more grungy. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely clean, but it's a, I think it's just, it's an enjoyable listen from start to finish. I think people who are fans of like that softer side of late 90s alt rock will like this. Mm hmm. I, I just, it, it just sounds good. It just sounds good. Like, does it, do I get some of the songs stuck in my head? Yes. Does it make me think, oh my God, I've been inspired to do something? No, it's just, Good rock and roll with that's country adjacent, um, with some songs that are clever, like the Deja Vu song, which um, obviously it's about Deja Vu on a Sunday afternoon. And I think uh, from what I read, it, it does have some connection to pandemic and the feeling of every day being the same, you know? Yeah, I could feel that. Happy or Alone is kind of the most radio-friendly, I'd say. This is the one. Co Wetzel is in the video for it, playing a uh, janitor at the roller skating rink that it takes place in. And uh, <laughs> it's got a bit of humor in the video. The song has a bit of 
of a lighter touch to it, but you know, it's about what you'd expect it to be. Would, could you be happier alone? Do you have to be in a relationship? You know, it, it's this, it's the kind of standard template stuff, but there's a place for that and it's okay. It doesn't all have to be a fine wine. You know, some of it can be a delicious Pabst Blue Ribbon beer on a <laughs> hot summer's day. And that's what this yeah. is to me. And, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I would, I would agree. This is a, some Blue Ribbon, Blue Ribbon Ribbon album for sure. Yeah, you know, Cole Watzel, man, we listened to his, talked about one of his records a couple of years back. He had so much more personality and humor and, and his stuff than, than his Austin. Yeah, Mead they're, here, they're different artists. They're not the same. I would, Austin Mead is definitely more, um, mainstream, I guess. Yeah, exactly. At least, at least this album. I can't speak for the other work, but this album is a little more mainstream. Was this his first record? No, he's had several releases, but they, okay. they've they all kind of, this is, I would, from the little bit I listened to of the others, this is the slickest. The slickest sounding. Okay. So maybe he's moving in this direction. I think the majority of people find that comforting. People who aren't super duper crazy music freaks. Well, I think like you said about, you know, if you're a fan of Ryan Adams, I think you probably would appreciate this because it, it, it hits on a yeah. lot of the same notes that he does. I uh, I highly recommend checking out this Austin Mead album, Black Sheep. It's a lot of fun, and it's we're coming into summer, so go have some fun. Yeah, man, good uh, good pick. I uh, appreciate that you dug this one out because, like you said, there's not a ton of information on them out there. So hopefully, we can help spread the word a little bit. For my new release recommendation here, we're talking about Genesis Owasu. He put out a record in March of this year called Smiling With No Teeth. Anyway, so this is uh, Genesis' debut record. He is natively born in Ghana and then moved to Australia as a young lad where he was uh, raised. The record here primarily touches on elements of a bunch of different genres hip-hop, funk, rap, soul, R&B, and alternative rock, and he definitely does touch on all those in a pretty substantial way. He lists his influences as Kanye West, Outkast, and Jimi Hendrix. Pretty good company there. We are going to jump in and play the second cut off this record. This is The Other Black Dog. Dog from Genesis Owasu. Uh, yeah, I'm really into this record. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I think uh, I didn't think about the Outcast uh, influence. It makes sense though, like yes. especially like in the last track we heard there, very Outcast. I, I would like it if we took Kanye off of the list. I <laughs> know um, you're not a Kanye lover. Ge- Genesis, Early Kanye, I'm sure. Genesis, you don't need him. Um, <laughs> and I would put Prince on because I thought that this sounded like pre-Purple Rain Prince, like Dirty Minds, if you ever listened to that album. It had that feel to it for sure. Yeah, no Prince ripoff type of thing, but that that vibe was there. Word. Yeah, there's one track in particular. 
whipcracker towards the end of the record where Genesis actually referenced like, okay, at this point in the song, we're going to get as Prince as we can. <laughs> just, just go full Prince, which he does, which breaks into this really interesting, like little funk synth jam freak out there. But before we go that far into the record, I just want to quickly touch on the themes he's talking about here. Uh, there's like three distinct parts to this record here, I would say, in which he's referring to this black dog pretty much throughout the entire record. The black dog, at least what I got from it, is kind of, it just takes on this persona of, like, at the beginning of the record, it seems to be talking about, like, internal conflict and depression. Um, he has this sign, this line here, all my friends are hurting, but we dance it off, laugh it off. Scars inside our shoes, but we just tap it off. So he's talking about this sort of like deep-seated depression and sort of anxiety that he feels, I think, primarily as a black person living in a primarily white country. Later in the record, it seems to materialize as more of a, an outside force where it's, uh, there's a song which is just titled Black Dogs about two-thirds of the way through the record which is more about like just the microaggressions, I guess you would call them, that he feels put against him just in his daily life in, in Australia. And I think the record kind of like comes to a peak at that point where he's like really feeling all this pent-up aggression and then lets it out on that track and then Whipcracker that we just talked about a second ago. And the album comes to a really kind of calm resolution with some really interesting songs towards the end of the record. There's a song here uh, about fishing, which really stands out sonically. It's like really like a soul, like almost like spiritual vibe to it that I was not expecting at all. It really sounds beautiful. And he puts in some really nice ballads there at the end of the record too. He really gets a pretty decent singing voice as well as, as rapping. Um, and he mixes them all pretty well together. I was really impressed with this, with this record overall. Sounded like you had some thoughts on it as well. Oh yeah, I liked it. I it's one of those things I listened to it once, forgot about it, and I shouldn't have. It's really good. Um, the, for those that aren't super hip hop fans like me, it isn't. It doesn't feel like a rap album. It feels like a just a mishmash of everything. So if you like a little bit of anything, I think you can find something to like here, which is uh, unusual. I mean, you can hear rock albums that are a bunch of mixtures of, of types of rock and roll, but it's rare to hear something that kind of brings a little bit of everything together, and it does it really well. So Yeah, I, I was impressed too, man. We should mention that he plays with like a, a live band, on the, I think all of these tracks, um, and they do a great job just... I mean, a lot of times these records, when you say like they're pulling from different genres, like they'll pull in like a funky guitar line somewhere. Like the whole band shifts tone multiple times through even individual songs. There's a song on here that sounds a lot like Bruce Springsteen to me. And the song before that is like very much a, a pretty hardcore rap song. It, it, it works surprisingly well. Um, mm -hmm. He has a lot to say. Just it's not super in your face. Like you can definitely just enjoy the, the vibe and the sort of like danciness of this record. But I think there's a deeper message once you dig into the lyrics a bit. Yeah, I was really impressed with this. It's probably, to date, I would say in 2021, my favorite record of the year. Hopefully, it will stay that way. So, it, Yeah, it's up there for me, too. And that doesn't say enough for you. I know. 
There you go. Well, and I, when I when I look at the year, I do try to not. I try to think about the different kinds of music that I've listened to and hold on to things from those different kinds. Otherwise, it would be when I pick my top ten at the end of the year, it'd be ten country albums, most likely, or ten metal <laughs> albums or rock albums. You know, so when I hear yeah. something, I've gotta, I've gotta. I'm glad. I'm so glad you brought it up for the show because I liked it. It got lost in my list of listening to all sorts of stuff, and and I I didn't think to tag it. So thank you for bringing it up, man. I won't forget again. <laughs> Got to earmark this one for sure. Yeah. So if you're a fan of like Frank Ocean, is who I thought about a lot, especially towards the end of this record, um, or Young Fathers, that Scottish hip hop group. It's kind of alternative hip hop. I think you would really appreciate Genesis Owasu and his record, Smiling With No Teeth. All right. Thanks, Andy. Now we come to the period of the show where we stop being new and we start being old. <laughs> you should be good at that. Old dogs. All right. So for my old dog pick, we're going to Metallica, as we mentioned at the top of the show. I think we should, uh, before we uh, dig into these records here, we should just preface this section with maybe a little disclaimer warning. Like, this shit is going to be heavy as fuck, and these records are going to kick your ass. So, just in case, (laughs) just in case you're not ready for this, if it's early in the morning, just giving you full fair warning here, going pretty heavy. And you had to listen to Andy talk like that. That was very disturbing. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, so here's Metallica from the album Kill 'Em All. This is Seek and Destroy. <laughs> okay, so that was Seek and Destroy Metallica. They're an American heavy metal band formed in 1981 in Los Angeles, but then they moved to San Francisco where they they uh, preferred the rock scene there rather than the hair metal uh, Motley Crue sort of situation going on in the Sunset Strip. They removed themselves from that because they were uh, Jägermeister drinking, jean-wearing, regular <laughs> dudes. Not too uh, cool. glam guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They're one of the big four of thrash metal alongside Megadeth, Anthrax, and Slayer. This was their debut studio album. And uh, it was recorded with producer Paul Circeo, uh at the Music America Studios in Rochester, New York, which I did not know Are prior you to. Kidding me? This was recorded in my hometown. Oh my God. It, I have no idea. It was. Shortly before recording this, they they dropped Dave Mustaine and then hired Exodus uh, guitarist Kirk Hammett to to take over right before they recorded this album. I'm not sure, like right. exactly, not the day of, but Dave Mustaine, who went on to start Megadeth, as <laughs> most of you probably yeah. know. I think he wrote a fair amount of the songs on this record, right? Yeah, yeah. Some of it was written by him. You can see he gets writing t- uh, credits on some of the songs, but he is not pictured on it, not part of the band at the time of recording. Right. So, there's a lot of Metallica albums to talk about. I mean, not as many as there should be, considering how many years they've been around, in my opinion. 
<laughs> they take way too long to record albums now. I wouldn't say this is the best. Would you? It's no, it's not. But it is important. Yeah, uh, that's why I wanted to talk about it. I mean, I wanted to talk about a Metallica album, and I went back and forth. Master of Puppets would be the easy one to talk about because it's kind of like their classic and probably my favorite. I also really considered um, Injustice for All because it is so technical compared to this. It's a big step. Oh, my God. It's huge. I mean, it's just the songs are huge and the arrangements are ridiculous and the guitar work and every it's just out of control how how much is going on there. While this is much simpler, although they do have nice songs. It is, but it is still, I would say, impressive to hear, especially considering the time period. Yeah, I mean, I'm comparing it to to them to themselves, not to not to other bands. <laughs> well, yeah, true, true. <laughs> so, what I like about this album too is we used to, uh, on some of our older shows we were focusing on the new wave of British heavy metal bands like Diamond Head and. Um, And um, and others from the new wave of British heavy metal period, but it, it has a little bit of that sound, although a little punkier, right? Which is the kind of American influence of it, and yeah. you can you can hear that reverence. And it's so weird, James Hetfield's voice being a little higher here. They were like late teens, early twenties, I think, at this time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like his voice hadn't changed yet, almost. <laughs> well, it's I think so it high. just changed styles, right? But so. It's an impressive start. I mean, you know, the songs on here are impressive, I think. Uh, even songs that sound like Jump in the Fight, yeah, sounds kind of, if you're not familiar with it, you're like, what are you talking about? But it, it's <laughs> that one was written by Dave Mustaine, uh, supposedly okay. about sex originally, but the their meaning of it was more uh, from Satan's perspective as he watches people commit sins. Ah. Uh. Now is the time for your fate, and I won't hesitate to pull you down into this pit. So come on, jump in the fire. Jump in the fire. Fire. So they were going for that that evil, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. Whiplash and and the four horsemen. Right. Yeah. I kind of like that. Sort of, I mean, generally in metal, I don't love that sort of, you know, swords and wizardry type thing, but... I think it works here. It's more of the darker side of that. This was more about evil. Yeah. Evil, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More about the evil in the world and evil in people and and not about like worshiping Satan or fighting a dragon. Mm-hmm. The original title for this album was supposed to be Metal Up Your Ass. Now, I assume you've seen those those T-shirts where there's a toilet with a hand coming out of it with a knife, like a Metallica T-shirt. Metal up your ass. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they sold those, but that was going to be the name of the album. But uh, so Kill 'Em All was like the more PC version yeah, of. Yeah, the record label <laughs> didn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Like nowadays, I can't imagine anyone releasing an album called Kill 'Em All. Like, especially oh, with the bloody hammer on the cover. Never. I mean, maybe in like an underground record, but would never be an influential record. <laughs> I think it's because this is a known quantity to us now. Like but when right. this came out, I wasn't like into this when this came out. What you have to understand 
I mean, I listened to it. My cousin had it. But at that time, you could like Def Leppard songs. You could like ACDC songs. But you had to be all in to be a Metallica fan. You had to be a metalhead socially. Like, you had to choose. Were you going to be a preppy guy or whatever? Or were you going to be... If you liked Metallica... (laughs) You had long hair, sleeveless T-shirts, and everyone called you a headbanger or burnout at my school. Like, it was a line. <laughs> there was a line. You couldn't play really? around with liking these bands. <laughs> you full Metallica. Yes. Never go full Metallica. Um, now, <laughs> I remember having an anthrax pin I wore on my jean jacket, and I was kind of a clean-cut dude. Spiky, you know, mullet type of situation, and... Some metal guys called me out on it for being a poser because I wasn't one of them. Mm. So it was kind of weird. I think the Black Album is the album that made it, that made Metallica accessible to everyone. And that's yeah. the gateway when I started going, okay, now, I, now I'm allowed to like these guys without being, a, <laughs> right. without being a part of a particular social group. Right. And then I really got into the, the older stuff. From that point on, but that, you know, I'm not. I can't claim that I was in it from the beginning with Metallica, although I'd like to. So, speaking of in it together, there's the Four Horsemen, and we're going to listen to that right now. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's been a part of his thing from the beginning. Yeah, it's like a song. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you think that song's about, my friend? I assumed it was about the band members, but I don't really know for sure. I mean, obviously, the forest, but end of the world, apocalypse type of thing, bringing death and pestilence to everyone. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> Isn't it about them? Like, kind of like bringing this this. To the world, yes. like bringing this thrash sound to the masses? Yes, it's about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but at the same time, it's about the four of them being a force to be reckoned with. And yeah. Um, So, yeah, Feels you had like it that. right. I had I I had to do research to get mine, but uh, congratulations, <laughs> Smarty Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Total shot in the dark. Uh, yeah, that song is crazy. To put like a seven-minute song like that, that is so fucking hard and fast at the beginning of a record is kind of like that statement of purpose you know that you're talking about there like it really just come out of the gates here with like you know at at 11 already (laughs) i think part part of their success early on and how they ended up building something big was their confidence in in their music that they weren't posers they were just fans of rock of hard rock and heavy metal and they were going to make the best damn fastest sleaziest stuff that they could fathom at that period of time now compared to today's standards this is the cub scouts right but (laughs) true um you know what anesthesia this is a good you've got to have you've got to have a lot of chutzpah to put an instrumental on your metal record (laughs) that is a bass player 
soloing the whole time. Yeah. It's the bass. It's Cliff Burton playing the bass through distortion and pedals and stuff. And that's craziness. And it's good. It stands out. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It is good. These guys can play. I mean, they're not the kind of one would say, especially, you know, the guitarists are fantastic. Yeah, you know, for me, like, the B-side is, is the strong part of the record. Actually, I mean, Seek and Destroy, I think, is, is kind of like their, the crowning achievement on this record. I come back to that yeah. song still pretty regularly. And it's been covered a bunch over the years as well. But the, the albums, the songs around it as well, I think are really great too. Like Phantom Lord and Whiplash are just kick ass. They're so fast. And even today, it sounds impressive to me. Um, Metal Malicious is, is pretty, uh, a pretty insane finish to the record too. So yeah. I really, really, I think it kicks into high gear once you kind of get past that, uh, anesthesia pulling teeth track there and, and get into the second half. But yeah, I, I, I agree that it is kind of, uh, impressive and, and ballsy the way they, they pace this record out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, we should probably wrap it up here, but if, if a kid today, heard this do you think they would recognize it as metallica or do you think the load reload um era the last time they were really on the radio do you think that that's what metallica sounds like to younger people um, i don't know i mean like you said there's like those trademarks uh hatfield's voice mm-hmm. and i think uh, kurt's guitar like you can still like i can still hear those similarities between this and what they were doing in the, the late 90s but so hopefully and if you haven't heard these earlier records, you I think they're by far their most interesting things they've done. And you should definitely... Like, Kill Em All Wall is a good place to start, but I think yep. the next couple of records are also... Yeah, Ride essential. the Lightning and Master of Puppets are, are more refined versions of this. They just keep yeah. getting better. But this is a great starting point for a band, great starting point for a f- potential fan, and also a great place to start over. If you haven't gone back and listened to these in a long time, you know, since you were a young person, time to, uh, time to get out the old t shirt, <laughs> make devil horns with your fingers, and, uh, listen to some Metallica Kill 'em All. Cool, man. Well, it was fun going back to that one. I hadn't heard it all the way through in a while. So thank you for that. Uh, I'm talking about an old dog pick here from me from a band that I'm sure was influenced by Metallica. I'm talking about, Melvins and their 1999 record, The Maggots. Uh, this is their 10th studio album for the Washington State three piece. They had just switched over to Mike Patton's IPAC label. Um, and this was part of a three record set they recorded and released all in one year back when bands would like do things like that. I think it's Ipecac. What's that? Oh, the record label. Okay. Yeah. You're probably right. It's got an extra. Well, Ipecac is is uh, the syrup that that you take when you need to induce vomiting. Ipecac syrup. So, knowing Mike Patton, <laughs> sounds, like, sounds like a pat <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So they were known for their uncompromising sludge metal sound and just the overwhelming amounts of bass and huge guitar riffs. We are going to play a song that nicely exemplifies that uh, sonic palette. This is a bit of the Amazon.
of just that drudging, heavy guitar there and that little clanging. Chugging. Yes, it just it's coming for you. As they say in the song there, you come and poison all the things I once set upon. Just super menacing, uh, super in your face. Kind of like Metallica. A little bit slower, though. <laughs> it's a big, big difference here. They kind of got, because they're from Washington State, I think during the 90s, it, it got confused that they were somehow like a grunge band, which I would say they certainly are not. No, they're not. I think... I, at one point, Kurt Cobain had said like they were his favorite band or something, or he had said that they were their favorite band. So people like lumped them together from being from that area, but they're really not. They were they've been together since they're like the mid '80s. I want to say put out some pretty cool records, more punk rock style back then. All right, so for me, I think this is one of their more consistent records, at least sonically. Like it stays in this pretty heavy vein all the way through. That's not always the case with their music. They oftentimes switch things up quite a bit. I think that's just kind of the personalities are kind of chaotic and and random. But I come back to this one the most. What did you think, man? Has you heard this record all the way through before? I know you know who the Melvins are, obviously, but I had heard this before at your behest. But I've never really gotten into them. And every time I listen to them, I'm not sure why I haven't gotten into them. And then I don't get into them again. So I'll... <laughs> just doesn't quite scratch that itch for you? I don't know. I think sometimes when there's a lot to attack... I, mean, I have a lot of albums. They've been around a long time. They do. And yeah. I don't like... I'm not one to just like one album and be good with that. I've got to hear all of them. And that's a big undertaking. So I think that's been part of it is laziness is why I have not really. I mean, I was aware yeah. of them all through the 90s working in record stores and all of that stuff. But it just I was so laser focused on grunge bands at that time that anything else was second place. And they were an older band, too. So it's like, ah, what do they know? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. They, they were. At the same time, I was opening up to other metal and, and rock stuff, especially as the grunge era started to fade off. So they just mm -hmm. I missed them somehow. Well, they're still around, still putting out music. They just put out a record earlier this year um, that was pretty interesting as well. But I think for me, this one really checks all the boxes. Um, it is ridiculously heavy. I used to play this in my tiny little Mazda which had a very nice sound system in it and just scare the shit out of people in my passenger seat because it would just be rattling all the components and the windows and everything was <laughs> like vibrating like you were on like one of those bridges, you know, that had been was like waving up and down. It was, it was pretty crazy. Why don't we play one of the heavier songs on the record? This is a little snippet of The Horn Bearer. Yeah, that would definitely rattle some windows. Um, <laughs> it's so crazy. You, you just don't hear people doing that much anymore. You don't hear window rattling rock and roll going on from people's vehicles. 
much. Although yeah, the other day I was walking my dog and someone, I hear this uh, mini or this uh, SUV coming and this super loud <laughs> kind of sound coming from it. And as it got yeah. closer to me, I realized they were blasting Buck Cherry's Crazy Bitch, which, oh, by geez. the way, does not hold up very well. <laughs> that, that song has not aged well. My God. <laughs> I wish it had been yeah. the Mel- I wish it had been Melvin's instead. I would have been much more impressed. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, I just love how the, that song there, the Hornbearer, where uh, it almost feels like Buzzo's vocals are getting like eaten by the bass. Like at times, they kind of like almost blend together, and you can't really distinguish one from the other. It's really impressive to hear on a good sound system. Or even a pair of good headphones, man. Like, if you have any, like, sort of, like, congestion in your nasal passages or ears, you're having a hard time hearing, yeah. maybe some wax buildup, put this freaking record on. It'll clear uh, it right out for you, well, I guarantee. This morning, I woke up at 5 and got out of bed at 5.30. I don't know why. But I needed a prep for the show. So, I was listening to some of the stuff, including this album, at about 6 a.m. on headphones. I don't oh, recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll. It's pretty scary. I mean, uh, it's not scary in the Metallica. It's, it's good. Not scary. It's, it's good. Just, it, yeah, just that heavy. time of that. Yeah, it was. It's you know, it gets your heart pumping. Well, I mean, lyrically, the record is there's not a whole lot going on. It's just kind of like menacing, sort of vague notions um, that King Buzzer was putting out there. But I think sonically is really where what they're all about i think this is a good representation of how sludgy and heavy and just menacing their sound can be they went on to put out two other records in the set the bootlicker and crybaby which are both very very different as they do like they just have a very wide range to their sounds i think this record is a pretty good way to to get into them it feels like a little bit i don't want to say cliche melvin's because it's such a one one note for them which isn't really representative of their entire sound but it is kind of easy to come back to and, and i think it's just a fun listen if you want to like test out your speakers it's a good way to do that one weird thing i'll just mention here at the ends all the songs are split in half i don't know why okay <laughs> everybody everybody there's like i don't know why they did that but they did it it's almost like if you want to just skip ahead to like the really heavy part of the song you can just do it quickly i don't know why else would they would do it yeah any, any other thoughts on uh the maggot yeah man i mean it's a solid melvin's album the ones i've heard i i couldn't say one sucks that i've heard so yeah the melvins they don't suck no that's something <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you're new to them, this might be a good place to to start off. Once again, the record is called The Maggot by Melvins. Came out in 99. Gets my old dog seal of approval. So that'll do it on the Album Nerds Podcast. We are done for this episode. Tell us what you think of these albums and let us know what you're listening to by emailing us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave us a voicemail 585-210-2454 for a good time. That's right. We want to do the show a solid. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, can leave a donation. We'd really appreciate it. Albumers.com slash support. You can listen to all the songs we just played up on Spotify. We'll post a playlist. Search for Album Nerds. 
can follow us along on Twitter and Instagram at Album Nerds. Until next time, we'll be back in about two weeks with a handful of more album recommendations for you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Thanks, everybody. Catch you in a couple weeks. <laughs>